Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 148 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. The snow's gone and temperatures are set to rise, but I need you all to do something for me. Do not inspect your bees this weekend. Please, just sit on your hands. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me well hello everyone once again it's great to have you along for another short and sweet session of beekeeping chat uh, beekeeping hq here has lost all of its snow it disappeared very very quickly the sun's been popping out and it's been warming the days quite nicely and the bees are enjoying a chance to get out and have a little stretch, no doubt. Now, I'm not going to make any sweeping predictions this week. I'm obviously no weatherman, as you've already seen, but it's beginning to look like we're in for a reasonably long period of milder, dare I say, drier weather. Of course, if you're listening to this other than in my support group on Patreon, it's probably mid-March, and any predictions I make will have been proven either spot-on, and you'll be telling me to get out and buy a lottery ticket, or I'll once again have fallen flat on my face, and you'll be saying, don't give up the day job. On the point of Patreon, my thanks to everyone who's signed up and are enjoying all the content, and hopefully, like me, getting excited for the start of the coming season. But if you're not a group member yet, please do take a look at it. With so many videos already published for our exclusive little group, I'd be amazed if there wasn't something here that didn't help you improve your beekeeping, honey production, the general health of your bees, or at the very least, a cracking cake recipe for you to try. Worth every penny just for the cake recipes, even though I say so myself. It won't surprise you to hear I've got myself yet more work to do, I've only gone and said yes to doing some more Zoom presentations for various beekeeping associations. I can't seem to stop myself from saying yes and then immediately thinking about what time I have in order to prepare for it, or rather what time I don't have. I do like to prepare the presentations fresh each time if I possibly can. Obviously, there are some things that I can't change, like my beekeeping history, for instance, what I've done previously, stuff like that but I do like to write each one afresh, new content, and where possible, include lots of new photographs. I always find showing a decent picture of what I'm trying to explain so much easier than a slide full of text. It's that gradual glazing over of eyes that gives it away. Obviously, back in the good old days of being in the village hall, standing in front of a group of bums on seats, it was much better particularly compared to the virtual meetings, mainly because of the after-talk cake, but also for the physical contact with fellow beekeepers. Not something we've had for a while, but I'm sure we'll get back to it. And of course, one of the benefits of those meetings is the ones who do fall asleep normally tend to start snoring, so you know instantly when you've lost your audience. I have to say, though, the virtual meetings have allowed me to meet up with far more beekeepers than I ever would have previously. It's not often I get out of the county to give talks, but this winter I'm virtually all over the place. And with maximum audiences of around 500, 
it's really not quite so daunting as walking onto a stage in front of that many people. Despite what you may think, I do get terribly nervous. Anyway, recent topics include preparing for the new beekeeping season, dealing with grumpy bees, queen rearing for beginners, microscopy for beekeepers, disease recognition and more. One of the personal benefits, of course, is that it reminds me of the topics that I maybe wouldn't necessarily turn to over the winter months. It also allows me to let beginner beekeepers know that it's okay not to know the Latin name for American fowl brood or for the greater wax moth. You don't have to be a university graduate or rocket engineer to be a competent beekeeper. Honestly, if this dyslexic can manage a few colonies of bees, then anyone can. It is important, though, to grasp the basics, and this is where bad habits can be nipped in the bud or, unfortunately, allowed to develop into lifelong dangers. Such as the old boy in the corner who always lights his smoker with his bee suit hood firmly zipped up over his head. No, that's not how to do it. Just for clarity, never light a smoker with your hood up. It only takes one silly mistake or lapse of concentration. It's one of those basics I wanted to focus on today, something we probably all fall foul of at some point on our beekeeping journey, and eventually learn that it can cause more problems than we would want. I am, of course, talking about inspecting our colonies way too early in the season, and to be precise, February inspections. Now, without doubt, I'm going to have to clarify this statement, as I'm sure there will be beekeepers out there who, for whatever reason, feel a need or desire to open up beehives in the middle of winter, particularly this weekend. Temperatures are rising, we've all been locked in without a chance to really look at our bees, and our smokers and bee suits hang clean and ready for the start of the new season. But believe me, this isn't the start of the new season. Not just yet. There are only so many books you can read, and so many Zoom meetings you can attend, before the urge finally gets to you. It's not going to hurt really, is it? A quick look, just to make sure everything's okay. So, here are some ground rules to consider. I say consider, because... This is your hobby, your business, literally not my business, but I would urge caution. Firstly, I'm specifically talking about my beekeeping here in Norfolk in the UK. It can fairly apply to most of the UK, but we each have our own microclimates that pop up and disappear as suddenly as they arrive. So my weekend temperature of 15 degrees Celsius might be 18 degrees Celsius in London, for instance, who knows? Secondly, I would say, why are you so keen to inspect? Is there something burning that needs your attention? Or is it that you want to get inside for your own gratification? At this time of the year, there has to be a very, very good reason for you to lift the roof, remove the crime board, that loud crack as the solid propolis splits the seal between box and board, and removing frames to expose the very temperature-sensitive brood area. But there may well be a good reason for you to do this. Let's consider things haven't gone well for your colony this winter, and you have only a very small cluster of bees, perhaps on a couple of frames, and you can see drones wandering around. It's very possible that you may have a drone-laying queen. 
the colony is likely as not doomed and it would be as well to check it out. Or perhaps you have a few colonies in an apiary, it's warm and sunny, and all but one of the colonies are out flying well, dashing around for water out on cleansing flights, and probably a batch of workers hovering around the entrance on orientation flights. That one colony where there's no movement at all is a real concern, and yes, I would advocate seeing what's going on inside. But that might simply be a case of lifting the roof to see a large cluster of bees on the crime board and noticing that the entrance is blocked by dead bees. Simply removing those dead bees might be all that's required. No need to don a bee suit and light smokers in this instance. If there is no movement from within, then yes, get your suit on, smoke a lit and have a look. It's possible they may have died out and need removing. Don't leave them if they are dead though. I know it's a huge disappointment, but if there has been a major problem with disease, now is definitely the time other colonies will be out searching for an easy meal. And if they find a colony with frames and frames of food unguarded, they're not going to stop to do a disease check. They'll pile in, grab what they can, and you'll be left counting the cost of more diseased colonies and it'll be no good blaming other beekeepers for spreading disease. So just thinking back to why you might want to open the hive and inspect. As you develop your beekeeping skills, you'll also develop that beekeeping sixth sense and understanding that things are not quite as they should be. It's an elusive feeling, but just sometimes you know you need to look in a hive, even though you don't really know why. It's something you'll feel more and more as you gain experience. And when it hits, you'll know it's because you're getting better at understanding your bees. There is, of course, no need to inspect at this time of the year. And by that, I mean a full inspection, frame by frame. And if you're just starting out, you'll undoubtedly do more harm than good. And here's why. As a beginner beekeeper, there's so much to see and easily as much to understand, if not more. Inspections in the beginning take a lot longer than after 20 or 30 years of experience, not just because of competence, but because of the fascination of it all. I understand this. Looking into a beehive is like peering into a new world. There's so much going on. Why is that bee doing that strange movement? Oh look, that bee's loaded with pollen. I wonder what sort of pollen that is. Was that the queen? I can see larvae. Ouch, I've been stung. And so it goes on. 30 or 40 minutes have passed and you're only six frames in. But here's the rub. For every minute you have the frames apart, the brood nest temperature is dropping, continually dropping. It might seem like it's a balmy 15 or 16 degrees centigrade outside. And with the very cold weather we've recently had, you might think that it even feels like t-shirt weather. And of course, Stuart always said it needs to be t-shirt weather for inspections. Well, that may be true, but there is a chilly wind blowing at this time of the year, making the actual temperature fall within the hive faster and faster. Remember, the brood nest has a temperature held at around 35 degrees Celsius, something like 20 degrees higher than the outside temperature on a mild winter's day. As soon as you expose it to the brood, temperatures are going to plummet. Brood will suffer and brood will die. 
the longer you expose the brood frames, the greater the damage. And inspecting in cooler conditions can, and probably will, also lead to an explosion of chalk brood, and that can be thoroughly depressing for you and your bees. Chalk brood is one of those issues that crops up mostly in the spring. Cooler, damper conditions seem to allow it to spread quickly, yet it can also disappear as quickly as it appears once we get into the warmer, drier days. For anyone not familiar with it, the name is very descriptive, particularly in the latter stages. For the untrained eye, it may be mistaken in its early stages as worryingly similar in appearance to the onset of European fowl brood. The larvae slumps into the bottom of the cell and, initially, takes on the look of the first stages of EFB. I've often heard EFB described as a blob of melted cheddar cheese, and that's a really good description. The difference, though, is quite marked and changes quickly, so you can rule out EFB pretty sharply. Again, if in any doubt, speak with a more experienced beekeeper and or your local bee inspector if you're in the UK. Chalk brood dries out quickly. It's a fungal infection and spreads through the hive. Its spores spread in a number of ways, but no doubt the hygienic behaviour of bees, removing dead larvae and such, will help with the spread of spores through the brood nest area. The dead larvae take on the appearance of a small dried lump of chalk, hence the name. Sometimes a cream or white colour, sometimes with dark grey or black patches, and sometimes completely grey or black. As the workers clean it out of the cells, it's dropped onto the floor of the hive, so can be seen quite easily if you look at the floor when you finally do inspect. Some workers are able to carry the dead larvae out of the hive completely, so you may well see it on the floor directly beneath the entrance, particularly if your hive is on solid ground such as a concrete slab or such like. In low infection hives, you may not even notice it. Another reason why, once we get started with inspections, that you carry out a very specific disease inspection. However, not yet. Remember, in opening up your hive, you're lowering the temperature and potentially killing brood and slamming the brakes on the development of the colony to the point that they may take until late spring or even midsummer to recover. Bang goes any honey production you thought you would have planned for for this year. Over-eager beekeepers keen to look into their hives cause more damage than good at this time of the year. And remember, only look if you have a very specific reason to look and then be as quick as you can. Chalk brood is something colonies can recover from, but why give them yet another challenge when waiting a few weeks will be far better for you and your bees? If you've not seen what chalk brood looks like, do take a look at my YouTube channel. I recorded a video a couple of years or so ago of a particularly nasty infection, yet the bees recovered from it successfully. So it's not all doom and gloom. I would advocate, however, just for a few more weeks that you do sit on your hands and be patient though. If you need fondant or syrup for the coming weeks and months, do take a look at my website. I'll post a link to a very informative and interesting research paper on chalk brood in the podcast notes, along with other links. And please do take a look at my Patreon page so I can give you support and help in the coming season. Well, that's it for this week, but don't worry, I'll be with you again next week. For now, though, 
I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping, short and sweet. <laughs>